this is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're standing out for the mama baby in episode number 100. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am so excited to be bringing you episode number 100 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. When I started this podcast three and a half years ago, I probably imagined the day when I would record episode number 100, but today, as I sit here and record this episode, I am actually floored that I have recorded 100 episodes of this podcast. And most of all, I am honored that some of you out there have listened to 100 episodes of this podcast. And I am also honored by the emails that I get every single week from podcast listeners. It is so inspirational to me to hear your stories, to hear how the podcast has touched your life, to hear how the podcast has benefited you or your baby. It's just, it has been an incredible journey for me. Uh, I never could have imagined what the last three years would have brought for me in my life personally, or even with natural birth and baby care, with mama baby birthing classes, um, with the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, just everything that we have had going on is so exciting. And it's especially exciting that I get a chance to bless you with all of it. So I guess what I really want to say with this episode is thank you. Thank you for being a podcast listener. Thank you for those of you who have been here from the start. Thank you for those of you who have just found me for giving me a chance. And I honestly hope that you will still be here with me for episode number 200. All right, with that, I... I spent some time thinking about what, you know, what do you want to do episode number 100 on, Kristen? And I've got, I've had so many interviews lined up lately that I thought, well, maybe I could do it as an interview one. But I decided that since the podcast has really grown mostly as a monologue, <laughs> that I would keep this episode as a monologue and for something that's that's been on my heart a lot lately. Um, we're going to come back with more guests, including a mama who's going to be sharing some of the reasons why she made the choices she made during birth. And I can't wait for you to hear that one. Um, also, just... So many interviews coming up, which are exciting, but I hope that this episode will be good for you too. I actually did a mama baby birthing class session a few weeks ago, and I really haven't been able to stop thinking about that particular session. Uh, If you're not a member of mama baby birthing or a mama baby birthing student, of course, you can always find out more at mamababybirthing.com, M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com. But one of the things that I do is every week, I record a Q&A session, or actually I do it live, so students come live to the teleconference and they can ask me questions, or we have a web interface so they can type questions in if they're listening via the streaming audio, and I usually like to do a little topic before I open it for Q&A where I just discuss something that's on my heart or something that I've learned about or new evidence that's just recently been published as it relates to pregnancy and birth. So that's kind of my time to teach, which is probably my favorite time of the week, at least when it comes to doing things for natural birth and baby care and mama baby birthing. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I talked about I talked about what if we were to what if we were to stand up 
for ourselves and really stand up for ourselves. And I just haven't been able to stop thinking about that and decided that it would be a good topic for this podcast, that maybe that meant that I was supposed to get it out even further. I actually liked the mama baby birthing episode so or the mama baby birthing class so much that I shared it with my newsletter list and published it on the blog. So I'll definitely link that original call from the show notes on this podcast. But I wanted to come back at it again. And really I guess I want to start a revolution, maybe not start a revolution, because I'm not the only one doing this. There are other women out there who are working for this revolution, women who have been serving in this revolution for decades. So I guess I want to be a piece of the revolution. I want to stand on the shoulders of the giants who have gone before me to change pregnancy and birth and motherhood for mothers and babies. And I want to be part of this next generation that's doing that. But I guess I want to see a revolution and I want to be part of a revolution. And I think the revolution needs to start with us completely turning the tables on where we are right now. I want that revolution And really, we could say it's a pregnancy and birth revolution, though I believe that it would cascade into motherhood beautifully and powerfully. But what would happen if we turn the tables? What would happen if we start asking different questions? The questions that we often hear today are things like, why would you choose not to go to the hospital for your baby's birth? That's dangerous. Or... Why would you choose not to have an epidural? You must just want to be a martyr. Or, why would you go through that pain when you don't have to? Or, why don't you just listen to the doctor and do what he or she says? Or, why wouldn't you want to pick your baby's birthday? Those are just, that's just a handful of the questions that we hear today. And those questions are usually flung at women who are wanting to make choices that are different than the status quo. What if we turned all those questions on their head? What if we were to ask, why would I go to the hospital when there's antibiotic-resistant germs there? Why would I go to the hospital when just stepping outside of my front door interrupts the flow of labor? Why would I go to the hospital where they're going to cause complications, save my baby from those complications, and then try and convince me that they're the good guys. Why would I choose to have an epidural that is going to completely interrupt the hormonal flow of labor and make birthing unsafe for me and my baby? Why would I choose a procedure that completely cuts off my body's normal flow of hormones and makes it more likely that I'll bleed after birth? Why would I choose a medication that makes it hard for my baby to turn in the birth canal so there's a greater chance of him or her getting stuck, so that my labor is longer, so that there's a greater chance of compromise to my baby? Why would I pick that when I've been given all the tools that I need to work with birth? Why would I pick a drug that not only numbs the pain, but all the sensations, all the elation, and all the euphoria that comes with birth? Why would you ask me to take something that strips away the power that I get during birth? 
Why would you have the audacity to suggest that when I want this hormonal cocktail that empowers me, that makes me feel great, that bonds me to my baby, that bonds my baby to me, that protects me from bleeding, that helps start breastfeeding on the right foot, why would you even suggest that I'm selfish for wanting to give myself and my baby that start in life? Why would you even suggest all these things? What if we were to turn all of those questions that I said on their heads and instead ask what I asked in the last couple of minutes? I do want to say there are times and places where interventions are needed, for sure. And in fact, you can go back and listen to my podcast episode about the mommy wars. And I really share my heart and my thoughts on this in that episode, where I feel like if if we didn't make it all about quote-unquote choice, but instead we recognize the beauty and the design of birth, then we would also recognize that there are moms out there who don't have a choice because there are legitimate complications. And they didn't make the quote-unquote choice to have an emergency cesarean. We realized that it was a real emergency. And we wouldn't have our confidence undermined to the tune of 40 to 50% of of moms are broken and so they need surgery to rescue their babies you know we just we wouldn't have all those problems and so when there was a mom who really did need a cesarean or for instance sometimes when a mom is really exhausted in labor an epidural can be a last attempt to get that mom some rest and those moms can rest a bit and go on to have a nice vaginal birth i'm not saying that there aren't situations like that I'm just saying that situations where things like epidurals and cesarean and things are used, those situations happen too often. And we also use all those situations to slap women in the face and beat them down and make them feel guilty. It's just like a particular internet celebrity who has even managed to get her hateful and deceptive work in major publications, uh, she spends all of her time, her and I guess her tribe, um, trying to make moms who choose to have home births look bad and trying to make women who choose to have a natural birth look bad. Um, I'm not, I'm really having a hard time figuring out how she manages to continue to exist because she's so obviously anti woman and anti-woman's rights, I mean, basically, her motto is sit down, shut up, and put your legs in the stirrups. And I can't really figure out why we as women decide that not only are we going to tolerate that, but we're going to champion that. The only thing I can really think is that there's some deep-seated guilt. I don't know about on her part. I think maybe for her, it's it's just being vitriolic and hateful. But uh, I think that for many of the women who end up following her, there's guilt. And the only outlet that that guilt can find is to attack other women. And I think that in this case, we need to go uh, to what Maya Angelou said. And I don't think I've got the quote exactly right. But she said, you know, when I know better, I do better. I knew then what I knew then. And I know now what I know now. Um, And I think some of us are just so haunted by guilt that it makes it hard. 
It makes it hard. And sometimes we know that in my situation, this had to be the outcome. And that might hurt and be painful. But I think instead of processing that, a lot of people turn around and attack other women who make a different choice or attack other women who proactively work. And there are women who are able to to do all that work, to make those choices, and who still have, for instance, an emergency cesarean, but they don't harbor like this. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with she who shall not be named and, uh, and her tribe. But I do think that it's an assault on women. I think it's an assault on babies, and I think it's an assault on good science, to be frank with you. Uh, and I don't understand it. But what if instead of, you know, pandering to her and those opinions, we were to look at her and go, are you insane? Are you crazy? You know, why would I just stick my legs up in the stirrups and take it when you can look at decades of evidence for what happens in that case? Why would I do that? Why would I take the chance of going to the hospital where maternal and infant deaths surely do happen? They're just not waved around like banners the way that you wave around poor outcomes at home births. It's like, you know, why would I choose to jump out of the melting pot and into the fire, so to speak? Which is a horrible analogy because I don't really believe that birth is a melting pot or a fire. But we do know that Shutting up and sticking your legs in the stirrups is likely going to mean poor outcomes for mothers and babies on every level. Physical, emotional, mental, bonding, and why would we choose that? So we need to start flipping these questions on their head. And like I said, if you listen to that recording, uh, the Independence Day recording, you'll hear me say, I don't think that you need to be angry about it. I don't think you need to be upset. I don't think you need to make accusations. I just think you need to look at them with this incredulous look on your face and say, "What? why would I do that? Basically, a look that says, I'm not going to get mad at you, but I'm clearly questioning your sanity. Because I believe that when we can ask those questions of haters on the internet, of doctors, of, uh, of midwives, of nurses, of mother-in-laws, of mothers, maybe sadly even of husbands or others, when we can give them that look where we just stop and say, why, why would I do that to myself and my baby? That just when they look at you and see that look of incredulity on your face, it's going to make them stop and go, "What? wait, what What do you know that I don't? That you're looking at me like I've lost my mind. Wait, you're, you're the one that's supposed to have lost your mind because you want to do something crazy, like have, have your baby without an epidural, and that's nuts. So why are you looking at me like, like I'm nuts? Because that's the pause that we want. We want people to second-guess themselves. Wait a second. She's looking at me like I'm a nut job. What's going on here? Because that pause is where there might be an opening to learning. It's like, why why are you looking at me like I've totally gone off the deep end? Because I said that you had totally gone off the deep end because you don't want an epidural. Because, you know, like, 
me and your auntie and your auntie and your auntie, we all like screamed through labor and it was horrible. So why, wait, why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? And then you're, you know, you're able to say, well, mom, um, do you realize that an epidural completely interrupts the hormonal flow of labor? So it takes away all of the the natural pain relief that comes with labor. It It slows labor down and it makes it hard for me to get up and work with the baby so the baby could get stuck in a poor position, which makes an emergency cesarean more likely. It means that I'm probably going to need to have Pitocin, which totally circumvents the normal oxytocin. Oxytocin is what, you know, mom, that's what makes birth flow smoothly. And that goes to my brain and the baby's brain. It helps both of us feel better. It helps both of us handle labor. And then once the baby's born, I need that oxytocin to, to like stop bleeding, mom, because Pitocin doesn't do that the right way. It doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, and Pitocin totally shuts down my own oxytocin. So, you know, even if the doctor manages to swoop in and save me from all the bleeding that he caused, my baby and I totally lose out on that bonding. And, you know, mom, that's your grandbaby, and, and I'm your daughter, and I just... You know, I want us to have that optimal time. And, and, you know, Mom, I've asked you to be in the room. And did you know that the oxytocin levels are so high that you'll get a contact high? And I know you're going to love the baby, but, man, you're going to love the baby even more when you feel that. It's just, it's an incredible process, Mom. And, you know, I can totally do it. You've told me since I was a little girl that I can totally do it. And I don't understand why you're doubting me now. And, and I hope that I've helped you understand why we don't want to circumvent that process. And then, just maybe, your mom is like, whoa, I never thought of it that way. And then maybe one mom, one husband, one ridiculous doctor on the internet, one person at a time, we're able to make people go, huh, I never thought of it that way. And we're able to affect change. Maybe, maybe, if we just, if we just start asking different questions... And ask them, not in a hostile way, but but in a way that really, really makes people pause and maybe opens that little crack. I mean, there is a lot of lingo out there right now in the birth world, um, you know, like informed decision making and and be an informed consumer, be an advocate for yourself and your baby. And I think probably my favorite one, this is from Indie Birth, and they have a really good podcast too, but um, but they their, their little slogan is that women own birth, and it's just, isn't that fabulous? I mean, but when you think about all that, and, and I think a lot of it is uh, like especially the informed decision-making stuff, that's that's really kind of a politically correct way for for the medical establishment to be like we we have to listen to her even though we don't listen to her so if we put down informed consent and informed decision making on paper it makes it look like we listened to her even if we didn't and then you hear from like a lot of childbirth educators and stuff that you're the consumer you're the one in charge or be an advocate for your baby i mean and all of that essentially means women own birth it's just all in politically correct lingo and i think that you know when we get to the bottom of it we need to ask ourselves what does all of that really mean what does it mean for you uh, as a pregnant and birthing woman what does it mean for you even in, like i said i hope that this cascades into motherhood what does it mean for you and motherhood and it means that we need to stand up and we need to demand better.
like I was just talking about. All of that fancy terminology means we need to turn up. We need to own who we are. We need to own where we are. We need to own what we're doing as women, as pregnant women, as birthing mothers, as as mothers. And like I said a few minutes ago, I'm not talking about the typical angry picture that might come to mind when we think about women's rights. You know, the women waving bras in the air and burning them and um, or maybe the cynical, bitter woman that you see when you think about like a hardened women's lib or a hardened women's rights woman. I don't really like that picture at all. I don't see myself in it. And honestly, I don't think that a lot of women see themselves in it. I'm grateful for the gains that were made for women when they dug their heels in. And I think that this is a situation where we too need to dig our heels in. Um, but I, I think one thing we need to guard is when women are up and screaming and being hostile, uh, a lot of people think that it's obnoxious. And um, it's funny. I sometimes share about this. I share Facebook memes and things that I've seen in the mama baby birthing classes. I don't know how often I do it on the podcast, but I'll do it today. So a friend shared on Facebook women's meeting speak, and it was absolutely hilarious. It was, you know, instead of saying, for instance, I have an idea, a woman would say something like, you know, well, I was kind of just thinking, and you guys can let me know if you don't like this, but I'll just throw it out on the table. So, you know, I kind of was thinking that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's this almost apologetic, ridiculous stuff, and that's not what I'm talking about. I don't think that we need to be obnoxious, and I don't think that we need to use apologetic woman speak. I don't know if that's the label for it, but I I really think that more of the example that I just gave where I was talking to the hypothetical mom, that wasn't apologetic, but it wasn't obnoxious either. It was more of I think that you are totally mistaken, and this is what the evidence says, and I'm 100% positive that once you hear this, it's going to change your mind. Whether it does or not, of course, is the million-dollar question, but when we talk about things like this, and I do believe that we need to state our minds, I do believe that we need to say, this is the evidence. I do believe that we need to say, you know what, I think that you're crazy, for asking me to birth my baby like that, whatever that is. I think we need to say things like that. We need to give that opening because, again, I think that makes people second-guess themselves. And this is this is kind of a grassroots thing. This is a grassroots revolution. This is going to happen one mom, one family at a time. So this is... This is what you need to do. I'm totally calling you out. This is how you need to talk to your mom or your husband. I, I I feel really blessed because I have a husband who's totally supported in all of this. Either that or he's totally brainwashed by listening to 100 episodes of my podcast. But, you know, he's totally supportive of me and my mission and what I do for moms and babies and uh, and for moms and babies being able to have a healthy birth. But I know from listening to podcast listeners and mama baby birthing students and others that there are not always husbands that are supportive. And in fact, husbands will sometimes use the safety card. Well, I want you to be at the hospital so you and the baby are safe, or I don't want to see you hurting. And I think that's the point where you need to say, honey, I love you, but 
that's completely wrong. And you could go back to the hypothetical discussion I just had with the hypothetical mom and take off from there. Basically like, babe, it is way more dangerous for me to go to the hospital and have them totally circumvent both the mechanical and hormonal processes of birth, drag the baby out, and then shoot me up through full of medications to try and fix what they broke. That's way more dangerous than me just working with this baby, pushing this baby out, and having all these hormones on board to help take care of everything. I mean, think about it, babe. We've been around for thousands of years. Moms have been birthing babies for thousands of years. And birth was designed to work. The goal of birth is a healthy mom and a healthy baby. And that's the goal of the design of birth. So why would it all of a sudden be broken? Why are you worried that I'm broken? And some of that is definitely inflammatory. Especially if you say it to a husband like something like, why would you think that I'm broken? But... I believe that clearly and matter-of-factly stating the reality of things, that yes, medical intervention does circumvent the safety of birthing. We're grateful for it when we need it, but we are not grateful for the fact that it has totally ruined, sabotaged, and subverted birth, health, and even taken life for mothers and babies. It is life-saving when it is used when it is needed. It is dangerous when it is used routinely. And we need to be blunt about that. We need to be clear about that. We need our husbands to understand. And maybe just saying to him, babe, why do you doubt my ability to do this? Will make him step back and go, whoa, you know, that's not what I'm saying at all, babe. And then you can say, you know what, darling? That is what you're saying. That is what you're saying. And again, it doesn't have to be angry. It's just... This whole thing, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what situation you're in, it's just, it's more of quiet, but not, not in that, what's the word that I'm looking for, subordinate kind of way, but more, you know, quietly in your power. It's like, it's like some of the pictures that I love to think about birthing women as, one is like a mama tiger. And when you think about those beautiful eyes, when you might first see them in the shadows of the jungle, you don't hear anything. You just see their pure confidence and the raw power. And then maybe you hear that low rumbling of the growl coming from deep inside of her. And then there's that powerful roar. That's a beautiful picture, I think, of a mother birthing her baby. Or when we think about a storm. You know, just one of those beautiful thunderstorms that, you know, it just slips across a summer sky. And at first, there's just that low rumble. And when you hear that rumble, you know there is power. That's what I'm talking about. That space, that low roar, that low rumble, where everyone around you stops and says, there is power there that is just that's the place that we want to be so again that quietness is not because we're being submissive that quiet is there because we know our power because we're ready to step into that power and because we're ready to say why would you try and take that away from me
So I want you to stand. I want you to take that power back. Or if you've never stood up and taken that power, I want you to take it for the first time. I I want you to go in there and refuse that medical model, that technological model, that subordinate model. Refuse to be treated like a baby yourself. That's the way that a lot of pregnant women are treated. The minute that you get those two lines on that stick, the minute you're holding that stick with like drops of pee dripping off of it, all of a sudden, you must be a baby yourself. And that's the way you're treated. Go in there and refuse that. Go in there and refuse outdated treatment. Refuse it. Make the choice to step outside of that model. Maybe it takes bravery for you. Maybe it takes a leap of faith. Maybe it means that at the end, you realize, and, and again, I, I guess I need to put like a tiny rabbit trail, a tiny caveat in here, because I've mentioned already that surely there are some emergency situations where help is needed. And I also believe that most of us mothers, when we are allowed or not, I don't want to say allowed, that's horrible. When we step into our power, when we take it back, when we say, this is mine, this is my birthright, this is my baby's birthright, if we need help, we know. Now, there might be moments of fleeting self-doubt during the course of a normal birthing. I've had that in my own birthing. I've been privileged to assist with birthings, or I've seen a mom say, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. And oftentimes that momentary doubt means you're getting pretty close to doing this. And a good support person will be right there. Just like my midwife told me when I said that during my first birth, I don't think I can do this. She looked at me and said, Kristen, you are doing this. And that was what I needed to hear. That kind of support keeps us going. Okay. But there are some times when a mom realizes, whoa, something's not right. I need help. And that is the time when she says, okay, something's not right. I need help. She's the one who steps up and says that. Or she's the one who has somebody suggest a midwife, maybe a doctor, maybe a nurse. I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that things are right. And then she says, you know what? I've got that feeling too. What do you think's going on? Let me hear what your thoughts are. You know, it's that respectful exchange. And the mom says, you just validated what I'm feeling. Or... I've had this sense of unease or whatever, and you saying that makes me realize, yeah, I think something's going on. Let's check this out, okay? That's a lot different than the scare tactics that are used now. Alarms going off. Your baby's dying. We got to slice you open right now. The cord was around the baby's neck. He almost died. I had to do it. I had to cut you open. That episiotomy saved your baby's life because the cord was around the neck. When in reality, most of those emergencies are not emergencies. And the only reason you consented to it was because they're scaring the utter... This is a family-safe podcast, so you can probably fill in what should go there. But they're basically terrifying you, waving the dead baby flag over you, and saying, if you don't comply, this is what you're going to get. That is very different than a care provider respectfully saying, I think something's not right. And you saying, you know what? I think you're right. Or you saying, you know what? 
I've been working with the baby. Everything's felt good to this point, And now it does not feel right. I hope that you, my listener, gentle mother, can see what I'm saying. That when we make the choice to step outside of that fear-based, power-hungry, subordinate mother, mother-baby, our enemies against each other model, and instead step into that quiet, resolute confidence, stepping into that partnership with your baby, where the mother-baby, the mama-baby, as I like to call it, that's why I named my classes Mama Baby Birthing, but where you You are one, and that's a good thing for right now. When you step out of that one model and into the other, it doesn't mean that you're rejecting technology that may be life-saving. But it does mean that you are opening yourself to being the one that says, I'm doing this. I'm respecting the birth process. Perhaps, too, I realize I need help with it. I would say that for the majority of you, not. And that doesn't mean you don't want a care provider. It doesn't mean you have an unassisted birth. It doesn't even mean you have a home birth. I've had lots of students who have had some phenomenal hospital births. Lots of students who have had phenomenal births with midwives. Lots of students and listeners who have had phenomenal unassisted births. I'm really completely supportive of you wherever you choose to birth your baby. And I want you to prepare for birth. I don't want you just to make a choice and blithely assume that everything's going to go all honky-dory. That's one of the reasons why I teach classes is because I believe that, I mean, on an intellectual and knowledge level, they're important. I also think that on a practical skills level, they're vital, but they also give you a chance to work out mentally, emotionally, perhaps spiritually, other things that are going on because you are not only a physical being, you are not only a mental and intellectual being, but you're also a spiritual being, an emotional being. And so we need to address all those facets because you're bringing into the world a new life who has all those things. So I'm not saying, you know, just like skip your way through life being blissfully ignorant about everything. But I am saying that when you make the choice for yourself and your baby and when you step into this place of power, that quiet, resolute place, that low rumble where everybody knows she is powerful, then I believe that we will see change happen on a massive scale. When you do it, and when every other woman listening to this podcast does it, and when women listening to my sisters who are speaking a similar message do it, we are going to start seeing a rumbling. We are going to start hearing a rumbling. We are going to start feeling it in our very bones. And when our daughters are giving birth, when our sons are holding their wives during birth, they will be doing it in their power. They will not be fighting against an establishment that circumvents the very process that their bodies were beautifully designed to do. Our sons will not doubt their wives. Our children will be able to live a very different legacy than what we are walking in right now. All because we were willing to be the rumble. We were willing to step in. We were willing to be the ones who made the ground start shaking. With that, mamas, 
and any daddies that were listening. I am going to go ahead and end this episode, the 100th episode of the podcast. I hope it's been an inspiration to you. I hope that every episode of the podcast has helped you, or even just given you something to turn over in your head, even if you ultimately decided that you didn't agree. But I hope that I'm at least able to be a little bit persuasive, because my heart, soul, mind, and body believes in you, in your ability to grow your baby, birth your baby, and mother your baby. And that literally is what I think about, pray about, and hope for every single day of my life. If you've got a minute, leave a rating on iTunes. If you've got a couple of minutes, type out type out a review. And if you see a review that was positive and that helped you, go ahead and, you know, in the iTunes interface or in Stitcher or in Google uh, Podcast app, go ahead and give it a bump up so that people see that, so that people know it was helpful to you because ultimately that's helpful to the podcast. Again, I won't dwell on this a long time because what I really want you to dwell on is what you can do to start that ground shaking, what you can do to step into that quiet, confident power. That's what I want to leave you with. I hope that you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.